Acts 2 and verse 14. After the Holy Spirit fell, the Bible says Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and he said, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose, since it's the only, it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what, or this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. If you're my age, you get to see visions and dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming in the great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Joel, it actually says the remnant who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to focus your attention on verse 14 where it says Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice so the title of this first part of this series is just fitting it's called raise your voice tell two or three people around you raise your voice let's pray father i thank you for the next few moments that you would help us understand the boldness that you want us to have the spirit of god in our lives what we're here to do on this earth this purpose this time and this dispensation we give you praise and glory for it in jesus name and everybody shouted amen one more time give the lord a great hand clap of praise the lord not anybody else the lord The Bible says that the Holy Spirit falls and the church was marked with the wind, spirit fell, they got cloven tongues of fire, and they began to speak with other tongues. The speaking of the tongues was an utterance. It was uh, many, there's many places in the New Testament where people spoke in tongues, one type of tongue that they would speak in other people's languages, other types they would speak in an unknown language only knowing to God. In the kingdom, Romans 8, 28 says that we, when we don't know what to pray, our spirit prays and makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be understood. Paul said, when I pray in tongues, it is unfruitful to the mind. How many know there's that people think sometimes that only praying in tongues is a, another language? But the Bible definitely dis, disproves that. In Jude 20, he says, building up your faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. How many know the Holy Spirit is here and he is operating in his church right now? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And here's what Peter does. He stands up. This same guy who denied Christ three times when the Holy Spirit fell, he was pretty much saying, I'm not missing another opportunity to raise my voice. The Bible says he stood up. The other 120, he was with the 11. But the other 120 that were there did not speak. The Lord spoke to uh, Peter and Simon Peter when before his name was Peter and told him that he was going to because he had a revelation that God was going to use him to build the church to start the church and so you see Peter standing up and he begins to give this dissertation so he the first sermon that Peter preached after the Holy Spirit fell the first sermon he preached Joel 2 28 was his text and in Joel 2 28 this is what I love about 
his sermon and why raising your voice is so important and how we raise our voice and what it means. He does not start with doom and gloom. He does not start by saying everything that they should have done. However, that's part of it, but he starts it by saying he's going to, God is going to pour out his spirit on all flat flesh. In other words, he says, this is that. What you are seeing, people looking like they're drunk and staggering. He said, it's not being drunk and not staggering, but the Holy Spirit is on them. And he said, this is that the prophet Joel spoke of. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. In other words, it won't just be Jewish flesh. It will be Gentile flesh, which we find out later on in Acts. It will be everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord. They will be saved. God is not an elitism person, but it is an inclusive. It's not an inclusive doctrine. You have to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and repent from your sins for the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you. So he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. If you're a son and daughter, shout amen. Amen. Young men are going to be having visions. Old men are going to dream dreams. Men and women who are servants, I will pour out my spirit. And whoever who calls upon the name of the Lord, the remnant, shall be saved. He starts his whole razor voice campaign by telling them the spirit of God is moving. And this is a new dispensation. Now, what does that mean? Because in, before Jesus came, it was the law that kept people. They would sprinkle the blood of bulls and goats upon the mercy seat, and it would perpetuate the, their sins. It would push their sins ahead for one year, and they would have certain feasts and festivals, but there would be a high priest that would go in and sprinkle blood. That high priest could have, he had to be without sin. In other words, he couldn't have sinned the whole year. He had to keep himself from sin. He had to atone himself because if he went into the Holy of Holies with the blood, but he was sin, had sinned, he would die immediately. And Jesus, when he came, he became the high priest of a new dispensation. The old dispensation was the dispensation of the law. When I say dispensation, I'm talking about a time era. In other words, Moses, the law, it kept people. But how many know we are, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law, not do away with the law. In other words, grace isn't so you can do whatever you want to, but Jesus came so that the law would be fulfilled so that God could do something else, which I'll share here shortly. But Jesus says these words, until the days of John the Baptist and until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. In other words, there is a certain commonality to those who are filled with the spirit. There is a, a recognition that we aren't just soft people. We don't get saved to go soft. Come on. We don't get saved to go silent. We get saved and the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. And the Bible says that when Paul or Peter, the Bible says that when Peter received the Holy Ghost, he stopped denying Christ. He stopped being quiet about it. And when the infilling came, he began to raise his voice. And that is what the Holy Spirit does to us. The Holy Spirit does not just save us so that we can run the building and speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit gets on the inside of us, the indwelling of the believer, not just upon us or around us, inside of us, and it gets a boldness. He creates a boldness in order to present 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul, Peter says at the beginning. He says, God has poured out his spirit on all flesh, not the flesh that we choose, that he chooses. So the flesh can be up underneath the bridge right now, about to blow their brains out. But when the Spirit of God gets a hold of somebody that feels like all hope is gone, it will arrest that person and turn him in a different direction. Can I tell you that the enemy would like to wear you out? But when the Spirit of God, how many feel the Spirit of God rising in this room today? You can come in here, you can be broken, depressed, hurting, discouraged, feel like giving up. But when the Spirit of God moves, it will change your whole dispensation. Your whole mindset, it will change the way you think because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why the Bible says you should not walk according to the flesh because the flesh will lead you to death. But he says, I want you to walk according to the Spirit for they are my sons and daughters of God. And so Peter gives this, uh, this discourse, this sermon, and he says this. He says, God has poured out his Spirit. This is what it is. So now we are living in the church age. The church age is different than the age of law. We have the law, but it's different. Our law is not written on just words. It's written in our heart. And he says, men of Israel, you've crucified. You've put to death. This is his sermon. But God raised up this Jesus. David said a thousand years ago, he couldn't be held by death. And here we are. He's not held by death. This Jesus you crucified has poured out the Holy Spirit, which you now see and here, see the Holy Spirit, he is not supposed to be tucked in your heart for nobody to see or hear. You have the Holy Ghost. When you get saved, you are infilled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe not the baptism because that's when the, the presence of God comes on you and you begin to speak with other tongues. But when you're saved, you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. As long as you got the Holy Ghost, you're sealed. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost on the inside. But you don't get saved so that you can be quiet. No, you get saved and the Holy Ghost gets on you because you're supposed to have people hear you and see you. In other words, you're supposed to raise your voice and you're supposed to show up. The Holy Spirit, he is not an entity floating around here. He is inside the believer. The Holy Spirit did not just come and got, gather around the people in 120. He came on the inside of the 120. And he says to him who is here and those that are your children and to those who are far off as many as the Lord God calls. In other words, in the last day, God would pour out his spirit. And we are living. The moment Pentecost fell in Acts 2 became the last days. We are in the last part of the last days. And this is that still of which the prophet Joel spoke of. That he would pour out his spirit and our sons and our daughters will prophesy. We are in those days right now. Tap your neighbor and say, we're living in the last days. How do I know that? Jesus is positionally sitting at the right hand of the Father as we speak. Jesus is not, he, he could or could not be sitting, but he's positionally sitting. Just like a judge doesn't have to be on his uh, chair as a judge in order to be a judge. He carries the title of a judge whether he's slamming the gavel down or he's having lunch somewhere. He is a judge and God is positionally put his son, Jesus Christ, at the right hand of him who he has given all things to him, the Bible says, that he would give all things to us. That's John 16. He shares and shows all things that he has pertaining to this life to us. And so Jesus Christ is still 
positionally at the right hand of the Father. We find that in Acts 7 when Stephen begins to prophesy the same thing that uh, uh, Peter said, Stephen says. He says the same stuff. He says, you've crucified this man, but they stoned him, but they repented with, Steve, uh, with Peter. Why? It doesn't matter who he, it doesn't matter how they hear it. It matters who hears it and that they hear it. In other words, they got to see and hear. So you may have people persecute you and you may have people praise you, but it should not mean that you do or do not speak the gospel. Whether they praise you or persecute you, whether they say we're going to get saved or they stone you, your job is to present the gospel. Your job is to preach. Your job is to get in front of people and let them see the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Your job is to speak up so they can hear you. When the Holy Spirit's inside the believer, you're supposed to be seen and you're supposed to be heard. Come on, somebody. You're not supposed to be quiet. People tried to silence us in 2020, 21, 22, and we sat there and let them do it. Many of us didn't say a word when things were happening. And when Roe versus Wade was overturned, some of us wouldn't say anything. And afraid that we would offend somebody but you're called to be seen and called to be heard you're called to speak up concerning what that word says about life you're called to speak up concerning what that word says about morality you are called to speak your job is not only to come watch somebody else set themselves on fire and burn for the holy ghost your job is to light a fire up underneath your tail and burn so that god can use you for a witness in this world the world is going to go to hell unless somebody raises up and says something about it and that means you so we are in the dispensation of the spirit-filled age church the reason I say that is because not every church is walking in authority I believe you have to be spirit-filled in order to do the will of God my goodness why wouldn't we want to be spirit-filled the spirit of God was poured out to the believer to speak truth to the world. This is very key. This is what I'm going to focus on much today. That's too quiet for this house. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 36, 27. God says, I will put my spirit within you. Look at your neighbor and say, inside of you. Isaiah 59, 20. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with him. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants descendants in other words this isn't just for you this is for your children this is for your children's children god wants your children saved god wants millennials saved he wants gen z saved and he wants them to speak up and be bold just as much as he wants baby boomers to speak up and be bold he covered every single one of them in, in, in Joel 2, and he covered every single one of them in Acts 2. He said, your sons, your daughters, your old, your, your men, your women, your maidservants, your men servants, your women servants, your black people, your white people, your brown people. Come on. American people, Hispanic people, all people, all flesh is going to get the Spirit of God. Nobody can, nobody cannot get the Spirit of God. If they want it, it's theirs. Hebrews 8.10 says, I will put my laws in their mind he didn't say he'll do away with it by the way that's new testament i will put my laws in their minds and write them upon their hearts and i will be their god and they will be my people john 16 i want you to turn there i want you to read we're going to read a little bit of this john 16 that's right after john 15 John 16 and verse 5. 
But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where you're going because I have said these things. And, and you have sorrow that's filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I mean, Jesus ain't going to tell you any lie. He said, it is to your advantage. Look at your neighbor. Get your finger out really hard like it's loaded and pointed at their face. Say, it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Everybody say the helper's here. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world, Satan, is judged. Not being judged, he's judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, not it, he, the spirit of truth, the spirit of what? Spirit of what? Has come, he will guide you into all for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it or show it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it or show it to you. Show what? Show what? Truth. He said the Holy Spirit... Is on the inside of the believer. How many understand that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you? Everything in this world, the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the what? The world of sin. How does the world experience conviction of sin? Through the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit right now? It's not a trick question. Where is he? Look at your neighbor say, the Holy Spirit's in you. How does the world become convicted of sin if the church does not confront them? When you walk into a place... The Holy Spirit walks in with you. When you're, whether you're on a street corner or you're in your business or you're in your home and you've got prodigal sons and daughters that do not want to serve the Lord, when you walk in, they cannot negate that there's something else that walked in with you. The Holy Spirit is not someone you come to Sunday morning to see and experience. You walk out of this service with inside you the Holy Ghost. When you go home, you take the anointing bottle. And I don't care what prodigal son or prodigal daughter lives in your house that says they're not going to serve the Lord. And you anoint their bed sheets and you declare when they sleep in here, they will not rest or be at peace until they turn their heart 
to Christ. Everybody in my family is going to be saved because I have the Holy Ghost. Everybody I work with is going to get saved because I have the Holy Ghost. Everybody sitting on my row is going to get saved because I have the Holy Ghost. That is how powerful the Holy Spirit should be viewed. Why? Because he's the Spirit of truth. The last days began when the Spirit of God fell in Acts 2. Where Jesus gave us all the indwelling, not just access. The Holy Spirit is not just access. He is a friend and a relational person. That's why he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't snuff him out. Don't reject him. Don't resist him. Can I tell you, we have a lot of churches that have church. I mean, feeling like God's in the room church. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, they shut it down. You know why they shut it down? Because they've had so much pressure from people that if the church service goes over an hour and 15 minutes, we're not going to be able to service you. In other words, you can't give because I'm tired, I'm exhausted. When I look in the Bible and I see the early church, they did not care what time it was. They wanted Jesus more than they wanted their fried chicken. They wanted Jesus more than they wanted their meatloaf, more than they wanted their social gathering, more than they wanted their football team. They wanted Jesus. Can I tell you what's going to happen to the church in the last days? We're going to see a remnant that wants Jesus more than they want their next breath. They want to see Jesus in their schools. They want to see Jesus in their cities, in their houses. They want Jesus. How do you get Jesus? You allow the Holy Ghost to move beyond one hour and 15 minutes. What if the Holy Ghost moved at an hour and 16 minutes? Would you stay? Would you allow God to infiltrate you and throw away your schedule? Not here to raise up a church that feels good all the time. I'm here to raise up a church that's a militant army that knows how to move with the Holy Ghost. If somebody has the Holy Ghost come on them when they're playing the guitar, we're not going to shut it down two minutes in because we're concerned about what time it is. We're going to wait for the Holy Spirit to stop playing through that guitar and allow God to move because people were down here worshiping God, falling at the feet of Jesus. Why would we stop that? Yet a lot of churches do that because we want to appease and appeal to society. Man, the Holy Ghost is doing a work right now. I don't preach when the clock says stop. There's no countdown clocks here. Well, the Holy Ghost has 33 minutes and 27 seconds. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit has full reign and full authority. And the moment I get in my flesh, I will stop. I ain't going to get into it, by the way. I'm going to preach when I'm, I'll be done when I'm through. I'm done. I'm, listen, I, I, am, I am not trying to raise up a church that's going to be, be soft and prance around people who have, uh, you know, schedules they got to keep. This is the day that the Lord has made. Not an hour. Not a service. This is the day that the Lord has made. We have lost a lot of power in our walk with Christ because we've given him one hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday and we want to give the world and the devil the rest of the 164 and a half hours of the week and we give God one hour. We don't even tithe our time to the Lord. 
You got to crack that Bible open on Monday and find out what the Holy Spirit is going to say to you. When you show up on Tuesday at the workplace and people need healing, God is calling upon you to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. When a devil begins to manifest in the Kroger parking lot, will you step out and say, I know what you need. You need God. Will you lead people to the Lord in a... Will you lead them to the Lord when you're trying to shop for a dress for the weekend like the kids were doing, the teenagers? You're stepping in the mall just to get something at the food court and all of a sudden you start witnessing to people to the Lord because the Holy Ghost has stirred you up. Why? Because God is calling people to raise their voice in this last day and in this last hour. You are the hope for America, church. Why? Have a seat. Tap your neighbor and say, this is why. Look at somebody behind you and say, this is why. Say, this is why I'm raising my voice. Come on, look at somebody behind you and say, this is why I'm raising my voice. Somebody's got to tell the truth. Somebody's got to tell the truth. I said, somebody's got to tell the truth. Got enough people telling lies. We need some people to tell the truth. We need a remnant to raise up and say, no, 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 that's not what God says. This is what God says. It's in his word. It's in black and white and sometimes red. When God says it, ain't nothing changed. Let me tell you something. There is no Bible 2.0. There is no next generation to fix the bugs in this book. This book came. It was written by God. He didn't make no mistakes. We don't need an upgrade. We need people to be tellers, not tailors. We need people to tell somebody the truth. We got too many people in church tailoring, making this thing fit so nicely for our need, for our thing that we want, for our lifestyle. But we're not tailors. We don't make the word fit you. We allow God's spirit to move in you that you fit the word. The word doesn't, you don't look at the word and the word changes. You look at the word and the word changes you. We are tellers of the truth. We are not tailors of the truth. We don't make this thing fit just perfectly so that you can still sin and live for the Lord. You got to have one foot here and one foot there. You don't have one foot here and one foot there. You put both foot on the Lord's side and you call people to come on the Lord's side. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm telling the truth. There's a lack of biblical truth to help people confront their sin the days we live in. I said there's a lack of biblical truth being told. We, 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 we preach a truth, but it's not biblical truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We preach a lack of biblical truth. We are not filled with the Spirit to lie. We're filled with the Spirit to tell the we are not to preach a gospel that fits our lifestyle. We're here to preach a gospel that helps people get out of bad lifestyles. God needs representatives. He does not need lawmakers. He does not need a Congress to vote or pass something that whether we think the Bible says this or the Bible says that, we're not led by a Democratic or a Republican society. This is not a democracy. This is a kingdom of which we serve a king and whatever the king says goes. He did not change his mind in the Bible about abortion. He did not change his mind about homosexuality. He never changed his 
his mind about fornication or adultery when Jesus died on the cross it was to fulfill the law not do away with it so that we can do whatever in the hell we want to do when Jesus Christ comes back he's looking for it in people without spot or without wrinkle if you got spots it's because you're sitting by something dirty if you got wrinkles it's because you won't stand up and do something you've been sitting in the same spot for the same long time but when God gets through with you and you're baptizing the Holy Ghost there will be a fire that will be in you that will not burn out Thank you. God needs representatives, not lawmakers. I got news for you. If, if, not when, but if, if, it's a big word. If I ever run for an office, I know I'm supposed to represent people if I do that. But I'm going to represent God first. We have a generation of open living and closed Bibles in the church. We have church leaders promoting homosexuality and the gay agenda, which will ultimately lead and has already led to transgenderism. Not only transgenderism, but the ability for children to make their own decision if they want to change their sex from birth. What that means is, is a child who cannot light up a cigarette until they're 18, can't drink until they're eight, 21, can't drive a car until they're 16, yet we think it's all right for them to have the right to change who they are without their parental consent. Without any parental consent, we're giving them the ability to change their sex at 7, 8, 9, 10 years old and kicking parents out of the conversation. Let me tell you what that really is. We're telling children that they have the ability to choose whatever they want to do, which is a setup for pedophilia because we're going to teach our children the same thing. You can choose whether you're going to lay with somebody that's your age or somebody 30 years older than you before your age it is a setup of pedophilia if you don't believe that and you think the government has their best interest of your children at heart then where is the list of Epstein's Island where is the list of those that went to Epstein Island chances are they're still in Congress today enjoying passing laws for your children to do whatever they want to do can I tell you that is where we are today and we need a church to rise up if we're going to see America saved it's going to be not the government it's going to be the church and the remnant that raises their voice you are missing a good spot right there to stand up on your feet and let the devil know you are not going to have our children we're so focused on who's going to get the next presidency instead of the real heart issues of this world which whether you're republican or democrat which i would vote i would hope that you would vote morality in this next season 
and not your economy, whatever tickles your economy. God didn't ask for everybody to have the same amount. He said, I'm going to give you one, I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you five. What are you going to do with what I give you? I've got bad news for some of you. The kingdom of God is not about everybody having the same thing. The kingdom of God is when God gives you something, what will you do with it? It was the one that had one that hid it and gave it back to God that God said, you're wicked. When God gives you something, you're supposed to multiply it. And when God gave you the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to multiply it. You're supposed to take him to everybody that's around you and raise your voice and say the same thing that got me free is the same thing that will get you free. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, everything around you should get set free. But, sit down. I feel my strength coming. Just getting warmed up, y'all. We can't get the... We, we, we can't... We can't get the world cleaned up because we got to get the church cleaned up. The reason I wrote this book, number one, is for the church to get their act together. People in the world are going to read this book and not understand half of it. Because it's written to the remnant inside the church. <clears throat> Just because you come to church don't mean you're the remnant. <clears throat> Just because you come to church and sit down doesn't make you the remnant. You know what the remnant are? Let me explain what the remnant are. They're offended at what God is offended about. They're insulted by what God is insulted about. God said 540 times in the Bible, he says, I have a remnant. Those remnants are Jeremiah's, Elijah's, John the Baptist. They're Jesus represented a group inside. There. He didn't even talk to the religious scribes. They couldn't figure out what he was saying because he was preaching something that only the remnant could understand. At that time, he just had a handful, 12, that even couldn't figure it out. But when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, everything that makes no sense right now, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's going to make sense to you. That's the reason why they could not handle all of the immorality that they seen when they were walking. They were willing to get crucified upside down, boiled in water for what they believed in. And we can't even handle somebody talking about us. <laughs> I'm offended at what offends God. That's the remnant. There's an upsetting in the Bible. I mean, there's an upsetting in the body. There are people that are sick and tired of being told they got to be quiet about what they believe in. It may take a rebellious revolution to rebel against religion. God's going to give, God's going to rally a remnant together. But it's not going to be the remnant you think. It's not going to be the church, rather. It may be people inside the church that are just sick and tired of being told they have to be quiet when it comes to the things of God. I don't preach on abortion and homosexuality because I think it's just a good idea. I preach on it because it's two major blights in this nation that we continue to push the limits on from a governmental standpoint that we say it's okay or not okay. Listen, abortion was wrong before anybody was a Republican or a Democrat. Homosexuality in the Bible, the truth, 
This is the truth of the word of God. We are representatives, not lawmakers. The truth says homosexuality is a sin. Just like the truth says fornication is a sin. And masturbation shouldn't be done. Just like it says things that shouldn't be committing adultery or lying or murdering. Do you know that abortion is murder? Abortion is murder. Can I just play it? If you had an abortion, I pray for you. God has given you grace. Thank God for grace. But if you still voting that people should be able to have an abortion and you call yourself a Christian, I am so sorry for you on the day of judgment. I am so tired of people telling me that it's okay to have an abortion. It's the woman's choice. Let me tell you something. It was the woman's choice before she had the baby. When she got in the bed, it was the woman's choice before she allowed somebody to stick it. It in if that's the women's choice come on I know what lust looks like I know what it feels like I know your heart is racing but there are consequences and babies are not consequences babies are a gift from the Lord and some of you are saying it's okay it's going to interrupt my lifestyle what about the mothers that don't have a baby what about the mothers that are trying to have a baby and you killing all the baby and standing for it and voting for it i'm sorry but i'm gonna go there some of y'all may be ticked off but can i tell you the same thing when you put a blue check mark against something you are saying i agree with this let me tell you abortion is a spiritual thing before it ever was a political thing i wish i had some holy ghost people in here that agreed with what i'm saying before there was a republican or a democrat there was abortion going on in ahab's day there was a abortions going on in Moses's day there was abortions going on when Jesus showed up they were killing the babies can I tell you every time you see in the Bible where babies are being killed it means that there's a deliverance coming there's a deliverer in the children the reason why the devil hates your children right now and wants to murder your children because this next generation is full of deliverers full of Moses's full of Joshua's full of John the Baptist and a I just mark my words there is a deliverer coming in this next generation tell the truth we got preachers in the pulpit in Atlanta talking about if your marriage needs some help have some have some toys brought in. Watch some pornography. I was in a service. Sit down. Sit down please. I got an idea. I got an idea. I know y'all probably think I harp on it too much. But it's in the same city I live in. We got, we got white pastors and black pastors. So before you say I'm racist, we got white pastors saying, if you want to live a homosexual life, you know, homosexuality, there's people that practice that have more faith. No, they don't have any faith. There's no such thing as gay Christians. Listen, I didn't say that. That word says it. The reason why some of us affirm it it's because we don't read the word of which this is truth. And Romans 1 says, if you do this, it's sin and you're going to hell. And it says, if you approve 
even if you're heterosexual, but yet you affirm it, you're going to hell just like they are. That's the word of God. And I love you enough to tell you, you better get right. I'm not apologizing. This whole month, I'm not apologizing. If you don't like it, I'm going to tell you one thing. You're not going to stand in front of God and say, you didn't tell me. I'll be over at the Bema Seat of Christ where Jesus Christ is judging my word. You're going to be in front of God and God's about to take you out because of your choices. And you're not going to look at me and say, preacher, why didn't you tell me? I'm going to say, I did. Man, there's a man in hell. He is in hell today, burning alive. And he, and he says, when they were in Abraham's bosom, which is Sheol, before Jesus. The Bible says, he said, Lazarus, Lazarus, just give me a dip of the water. Put it on my tongue. Lazarus was a beggar. There was a rich man in hell. Lazarus says, I, I can't. There's a huge gulf in between us. And so the rich man starts talking. And he says, please. I forget he was talking. I think he was talking to God or Jesus or somebody. Look it up. It's in the Bible. Read it. <clears throat> he says, please tell my brothers. Tell my family. He did not say, go tell him, go tell him how to make money. Go tell him how to raise funds. Go tell them how to live the good life. No, he said, please tell them don't come here. Would you please send somebody? You know what his response was? They have the preachers. Just like you had them. They have the prophets. Just like you have them. If they won't listen to the preachers and the prophets, they ain't going to listen to me. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that some preachers that we call preachers that have platforms that are mega, that Jesus Christ himself could sit on their row and talk to him and they would still preach the, the adulterated gospel to the people because the money keeps coming in and we're deceiving, deceptive deceiving causing demons of doctors we're agreeing with sexual immorality in our pulpits we're saying it's okay to have abortion we're saying it's okay grace covers fornication yes it does if you commit it but if you continue in a practicing practicing style of lifestyle if you continue in a practicing lifestyle the bible says you'll knock on the door that day and he'll say depart from me i didn't know you but i spoke in tongues but i don't know you but but I cast out devils, but I don't know you for you are workers of iniquity, you who practice lawlessness. Why am I raising my voice? Because the church today in America seems like it's okay to practice lawlessness. As long as you speak in tongues and cast out devils, you can lay with whoever you want to 
lay with man or woman on Monday all the way to Saturday. But I come to tell you that book says different. He calls us to have a lifestyle of righteousness. And the Holy Ghost is on the inside of us to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of an impending judgment. If the delivery of my preaching doesn't distinguish sin, it certainly will not extinguish it. You cannot deliver something to somebody and expect them to to get delivered from the same thing. You cannot deliver people from something that you're delivering to them. I am telling you, not everybody in the church, but there are multiple people that are preaching from platforms today saying it's okay to do this and that and I'm thoroughly convinced the reason why is because they are doing it themselves yet because they have some type of preaching gift that you are used to using and you know I feel the Holy Ghost oh I felt that I can hoop and holler just like all of them I can say if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side and get half of you to shout up but if I'm living in sin you ain't getting what I'm preaching you getting the spirit that I'm carrying that's the reason why you got to get out of those churches and get into a spirit filled baptizing the Holy Ghost live right Jesus is coming back preach righteousness like Noah did types of church that's the type of church I'm raising up and that's the type of people that will see Jesus when he comes back A lot of preachers looking down their long nose at this type of preaching and saying, well, you just need to preach the word. I am preaching the word. This is distinguishing sin and righteousness, wrong and right, heaven and hell. And if Jesus Christ himself preached more on hell than he did on heaven, then the preachers ought to be telling people that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. There is a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said these words. It's 1.30. We don't have church tonight, so bear with me. Jesus said, do you think you're greater than me? He said, if they're going to persecute me, they're going to persecute you. skip forward just a minute because I want you to understand this persecution is a real thing you know what's going to cause the church to expand like crazy in the last days tap your neighbor and say neighbor welcome persecution welcome persecution The early church, when persecution came, Acts 8, 1, 
says that when persecution came, Saul was consenting of the death of Stephen. He was a murderer that God later changed to be Paul, apostle. Don't think your past exempts you from what God wants to do in your life. But the point is this. In the early church, persecution set in to scatter. The Bible says in Acts 8.1, they scattered them so that the preaching of the gospel would happen. In the last days, the days we live in now, the latter part, part of the last days, the last part of the last days, the Bible says the persecution will actually cause us to gather. What was attacked in 2020? That means that the enemy seen something coming. That he said, I got to put a stop to this. But what he doesn't realize, all he did was clean out the bad fruit. And the remnant is beginning to show back up in the house. And when they tell you to put a mask on this next time, you can wear one or not wear one, but you are going to, I promise you, you're going to say, you ain't keeping me from gathering with my brothers and sisters. The vaccine that you need was provided for you in the Bible. It says, take this bread, and every time you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. When you drink this wine, do it in remembrance of me. Communion is the next vaccine. Communion marks you. It puts you in covenant with God and God's principles and who he is. Stop running everywhere looking for a vaccine to fix a sickness that you already have the antidote and the prognosis of healing too no this next season if you'll put your faith in god if you listen this this stuff right here will get censored this stuff right here will be taken off of social media but it can't stop me from preaching that the blood of jesus christ and the body that was broken for me by his stripes we are healed past present future spirit soul and body there's no devil in hell that unless I agree with it there's no devil in hell that's going to snuff me out are you listening to me I've already been through way too much and my God has been faithful to me and you are here today you're remaining after 2020 you're still standing you're still remaining that means you're the remnant and the Bible says to strengthen that which remains what am I doing I'm preaching a gospel that's going to strengthen the weak knees give you a backbone to stand when the culture tells you to sit down it's going to make you like a Shadrach a Meshach and Abednego when they tell you just scoop a little bit you're going to hold your shoulders back and say not this time I serve the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> Hebrews 10 25 says forsake not the assemblings of yourselves together as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but I see a day approaching. When they're talking about putting chips in my hand so that I can buy and sell, I see a day approaching. 
when they talking about the Euphrates rivers is drying up and I read in this book which is the truth and it was foretold in Revelation and Revelation 16 that the Euphrates River will dry up I see a day approaching when I talk here about wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famine and earthquakes in diverse places I see a day approaching but more importantly I see a day approaching and Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, it will look like Noah. There'll be rainbows everywhere. I see a day approaching when he said in Luke 17, he said it will be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. There will be such a sexual immorality that will run rampant. I see a day approaching. Will it be tomorrow? I don't know. Will it be 20 years from now? I don't know. But I see it. If you don't see it, it's because the Holy Spirit is not on the inside of you. Pastor backed up with scripture. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 5 simply says it will catch others by surprise. But to his church, it will not catch us by. We may not know the day. We may not know the hour. Of which on the world, there's always two days and 24 hours. But we will know the season. And I'm telling you right now, the end is near. We need people to raise their voice and tell the truth. Stand to your feet. <clears throat> William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. Many of you have been to his store. You thought all he did was make a, what do you call those stores? Thrifting. You thought that William Booth died so that you could go thrifting at the Salvation Army. He's one of the greatest soul winners that ever lived. This is what William Booth said. Put it up on the screen if you could. It says, I consider that the chief dangers that confront the coming century, which is the century we live in right now, will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Boy, do we have that all over the world. Christianity without Christ. We can serve the Lord and whatever Christ said doesn't matter. We don't need the anointing. That's what that means. Forgiveness without repentance. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done, but I'm not changing. Salvation without regeneration. In other words, I thank you, God. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, but I refuse to change into regene myself. I'm no longer that person. I can do whatever the hell I want to do on this earth. Politics without God. My God, don't make me start there. The founding fathers, they had horrific. Slavery was a horrific blight on this nation. Everybody in this room, including myself, should denounce slavery. White supremacy back then was horrific. Should have never happened. But people in leadership chose it to continue. Think about that today now. Whoever's in leadership is going to continue whatever you allow them to continue. In today's world, we have politics that when they show up, they refuse to name. A friend of mine, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, if I think, did he say it here? If he didn't, you might have heard him say it before. He said, when I was asked to pray at the presidential inauguration, they asked me not to say it. He said, say what? You know, say, don't say that. The name of Jesus. Say God. God Almighty. God God this, but don't say. I think he used the name of Jesus 16 times in his prayer. 
That's my friends right there. Oh, God. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they've given him a name above all names. The name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, all God has is mine. He's given it to me, and I give it to you. What do we use? What makes us different than demons? Demons believe. What do we, what do we have? We have the name of Jesus. That's why everybody is fine at the party. As long as you don't bring up the name. You go to church, we're good with that. You, you, you talk about God, we're good with that. Talk about the blessing, the favor of the Lord, good with that. Don't say the name of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about because some of y'all go to work. And it's hard to say. You can say God. Oh, I serve the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. You're comfortable with that. But if you turn around and say Jesus, it tells them what Lord you're talking about. Tap your neighbor say, it's time to draw some lines. It's time to say the name. Christ without, put it up on there. Christ without, for church without Christ, throw it up one more time. Five, four, three, two, one. William Booth. William Booth, show back up. Christ, forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. When was the last time you heard a whole message on hell? You know why preachers don't preach hell? This is what we do. Roll our eyes. I wish that preacher would stop talking about all the negatives. I feel like all he does is yell and scream at us. They said the same thing to Noah. Right before a day preach the word that word preach is not tickle not itch ears preach whether you show up next Sunday or not is not a decision I need to make my decision and that beautiful pastor wife of mine pastor Delana we do not amen we don't preach this on Sunday and go home Live like devils. I'm never going to tell you it's okay to live a homosexual lifestyle. I'm never going to tell you you can have an abortion. I'm never going to tell you to fornicate, masturbate, watch pornography, grow weed. I'm never going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you to get drunk as much as you'd like. God loves you. God bless you. I'm also not going to tell you it's okay to harbor unforgiveness. I'm going to tell you the truth. Whether we sing a pretty song or we fall flat on our face, prostrate before the Lord for two and a half hours, we're going to follow God in this house. September 15th, I challenge you. Give up a Friday night. It's Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year. At 10 p.m. to midnight, we're going to have a midnight run. We're going to, no, hold on. It ain't going to be like, yeah, he was gonna go. Jesus is ready. No, we're not doing that. 
We're going to pray. We're going to bombard the gates of heaven for our brothers and our sisters and people we know need the Lord. See how the clapping's kind of halfway? Now, if I'd have said, everybody going to get a breakthrough at 10 p.m. on Rosh Hashanah, we got pancakes out in the foyer at midnight. We're going to eat them with extra heavy syrup, and it's going to be good. We're going to bless you. If I say all that, people show up. Because the, more, the less you have of the Holy Ghost, the more cake and coffee you'll need in the foyer to keep people coming. If we want to grow a strong church, it may look like Gideon's army, but we're going to come after the gates of hell, and we're going to burn the enemy's harvest out. I wish somebody would give God a raise your voice shout right now. One, two, three. Lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, praise the Lord. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Today, if you didn't hear a word I said, listen to me for the next two minutes. You will spend eternity in one of two places. Make no doubt about it. Hell is not a philosophy it's not a fake place hell is a real place where the devil doesn't want you to know that some of you have lived in sin some of you are committing sin some of you love God with all your heart but your lifestyle is that you continue lying to yourself that this is okay let me tell you something every time you do something that's against the will of God God gave you the Holy Ghost. Thank God for it. At least repent. You don't have to wait to church to do that. You can do it right where you are. God loves you enough to forgive you and forgive you and forgive you. There comes a place in your life where you got to realize, am I committing sin or am I just living in it? A lot of people go into church, but not a lot of people go into heaven. The Bible says there's a wide road going straight to hell. How do you know if you're really saved or not? Number one, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. If the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, then He convicts you when things are not truthful in your life. You can't not, you can't, you can't shake that thing and just say, ugh, and it be done. When you do something wrong, you don't just shake it off. It stays on you like a bad smell. God wants to do so much in your life. But if you don't turn your life over to Him completely and make Him Lord, you're only going to see a fragment of what He wants to do in your life.